I read recently that people with large vocabularies tend to be intrigued by words. They are aware of words and fascinated by them. That's an interesting idea, right? And it makes me wonder how I can help my students to be more curious about language. So that's what I'm talking about today. Vocabulary instruction and basic ways that you can help your kids become more interested in learning new words. I'm Ruth Wen, homeschool mom and educator. I've taught English and writing in so many different classrooms over the years, public school, private school, college, homeschool co-ops, and my own kids too. Did I mention them? So I've learned a thing or two about what works and what doesn't work. I created the Homeschool Writing and Then Some podcast to give busy homeschoolers simple, step-by-step, time-saving strategies that you can use in your own homeschool classroom. Do you have a middle schooler who's still writing in enormous chunks with no clue about paragraphing? Or a high schooler whose essays read like text messages? If so, don't despair. Help is on the way. This is Homeschool Writing and Then Some. Hey everyone, I hope you are having a beautiful day. I just got back from teaching classes at the Homeschool Academy where I teach once a week. So much fun. I have the best students. They are so creative and full of great ideas. I'm always so pumped up by the end. Such a good time. Well, my semester is pretty much in full swing now, although I'm still trying to figure out how much time everything's going to take and how to pace myself, but it's starting to come together. I think I mentioned before that I am developing a professional writing class for students to teach them how to do really practical things like write emails and resumes. So I'm practicing with students in my co-op class once a week. And I was fairly confident in the success of that class, but it is exceeding my wildest expectations. First off, it's allowing me to deep dive into a subject of great interest to me. So I'm getting a ridiculous amount of joy from that. But then I get to turn what I'm learning into top quality instruction for my students. So they are getting so much benefit. And this is real life writing skills that we're talking about that they will be able to use no matter what job they end up doing. It is fabulous content. So some of that content will probably be showing up on this podcast soon. So stay tuned for that. But today we are talking about vocabulary. I don't think I need to convince anyone of the merits of a rich vocabulary. The better your vocabulary is, the better your proficiency at reading and writing. And I've been thinking about this subject recently because later this year, my American Lit students are reading The Scarlet Letter, which if you are familiar with that, you probably know that it is a challenging text. And one of the main reasons that it's so daunting and that students tend to dislike it is because of all the unfamiliar vocabulary. It's hard to understand a passage, much less enjoy it, if you don't know what half the words mean. Almost any curriculum that you look at for the Scarlet Letter will have pages and pages of vocabulary words, and you can imagine how excited students are about having to look up and write definitions for all those words. Boring. No wonder that they dislike this novel. I'm still working on my vocabulary plan for this uh, for the Scarlet Letter, but in the meantime, I thought I would share with you some of the successful strategies that I've used in the past for teaching vocabulary. Many years ago, when I was studying for the exam that I needed to take to get into graduate school, 
my primary strategy was to learn tons of vocabulary words. And when I say tons, I mean literally tons. Thousands of index cards with words on one side and definitions on the other. And I used this approach because I recognized that a good vocabulary was the key to doing well on every section of the test, whether it was antonyms or analogies or reading comprehension. It helped that I had a knack for memorization and that I actually enjoyed the rote process of learning what turned out to be a small dictionary. And my months of study paid off for me. I aced the test because I had been right. Vocabulary development had been a crucial component to success. So the moral of the story is not for you to go stock up on index cards and have your students write vocabulary words until their fingers are blistered. But what I want you to notice is the importance of building a strong vocabulary. And I am so thankful that I invested the time in learning vocabulary because it not only helped me to pass the exam, but it also helped me to do really well in graduate school. My improved vocabulary transformed me into a better reader, a better writer, a better thinker, which of course is the very outcome that we want for our students. Okay, so we know we want our students to have a great vocabulary, but helping them to develop a great vocabulary is often easier said than done. Probably the easiest path is by encouraging kids to read. Have you ever seen a study that argued for less student reading or a headline that condemned more reading as a waste of time? I know I certainly haven't. The benefits of reading are well documented. Students who read frequently are just better at reading, writing, and thinking than their non-reading peers. So the more you can get your students to read, the more likely they are to have academic success. Sounds good, right? But what if you have a reluctant reader or more than one reluctant reader who lives in your house as I did? What can you do to help those students improve their vocabulary? So this was my challenge, and it might be yours as well. So see if this sounds like a familiar scenario or something that you can relate to. So at one point, I looked around my house, and I realized that I had, I don't even know, five, six vocabulary workbooks that were just collecting dust. And most of them were only partially completed. I probably had at least five different programs that represented my quest to find the magic vocabulary curriculum. And you know how it is at the start of the school year, right? It's full of hope and optimism. You distribute the workbooks and you dole out the first assignment. And, you know, I found that most vocabulary programs followed a similar format. You had a weekly list of words followed by an assortment of three to five word list related activities. And then there's a final test at the end, right? I think that's pretty much how most vocabulary books are set up. And that seems easy enough, right? You read the list, you do the exercises, you take the test on Friday. It seems like independent work that shouldn't require a lot of teacher or mom input, but Year after year, the same scenario played out. For the first couple of weeks, I would diligently check to make sure that my kids were doing their work each day. I would mark their mistakes and I would talk to them about what they missed. And then test day would roll around and I would expect great results. But what I got instead were grades that were average to below average. Even my daughter, who actually really does like to read, she struggled to score higher than, say, a B minus on most of her vocabulary test. So by the middle of the semester, when the tornado of life is in full spin, my daughter 
who usually does well, was barely passing tests and my boys weren't even trying anymore. Of course, by then I had mostly stopped checking weekly exercises and if I gave them an occasional glance, I realized that none of my kids were putting in much effort. Sometimes I try to regroup. You know, you try to do that. You try to make a resolution that you're going to get back on track. And so I would try to crack down on the completion requirements, but that rarely resulted in much improvement either. And then by the time the holidays were over, vocabulary was just abandoned. And here we were with another half-completed book to file away. And so all that I needed to do then was make my annual resolution to find a better curriculum for the next school year. And so it goes. So finally, one year, I decided that I had to stop being insane about vocabulary instruction, and I had to stop doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If I wanted to change the outcome, I had to change my approach. So with a few minor adjustments and about 10 minutes extra each day, and really just 10 minutes, not not more than that, I didn't have any more time to spare, but I was able with that little amount of time to help my kids improve their vocabulary skills and vastly improve the test scores, which tells me they were retaining some of the knowledge that uh, they were learning during the week. So my approach was based on the premise that the more engagement that students can have with vocabulary words, the more likely that they are to actually learn. And that's not an original or new revelation. Many people talk about that. The more that you can have um, the, the students engage with vocabulary, the more likely they are to actually retain it and not just put it into short-term memory that they access five minutes before the test. Although I will tell you that my kids weren't even able to do that. So here are some of the things I did. Um, The first thing I did was that I combined age groups for vocabulary instruction. So just because your vocabulary book says that it's for 10th grade doesn't mean that all the other grades are banned from using it. For example, there's nothing that says that the word enumerate can only be learned by a student who's in the 10th grade. Vocabulary words don't inherently contain grade-level identifiers, okay? The textbook writers have decided somewhat arbitrarily which words to include and at what grade level. So if there were one write list in quotes there, there wouldn't be such a wide variety of vocabulary books. So a different curriculum might introduce the word enumerate in the 11th grade, for example. So this particular year, I decided that both my 7th grade daughter and my 9th grade son would be in the 7th grade vocabulary book. If I hadn't already bought the 7th grade curriculum, I probably would have put them in the 8th grade book. But I just went with what I had rather than spending money on something new. And the reason that I wanted them to be in the same book was so that I could go over the vocabulary with them both at the same time. Time, as you know, is as valuable as gold. So it was essential that I streamline lesson time as much as I could. Plus, having a sibling around made each of my kids try harder because, of course, you don't want to look like you're the dumb one, right? And so it made the lesson more interesting. So that was the first thing I did, was to combine the grade levels. And then I slowed down the pace. So by this, I mean that I changed my whole attitude about how long it should take to complete a unit of vocabulary. Previously, I was bound and determined to get in a chapter a week. We had to do a chapter a week. So the kids got the words on Monday and they took their test on Friday. 
And if they missed a a lesson during the week, then they did two lessons the next day. The trains were running on time, even if it meant a wreck when they pulled into the station. Okay, so you, you get the, I was very strict about that. All right, but this year, this particular year that I changed my strategies, I adopted a much more casual approach. Before, my goal had been to get through a chapter a week. So now my new goal was for my kids to learn and retain vocabulary words. And I realized that that could not be done if we were moving at that pace. We had to slow down. So we never tackled more than one exercise a day, even if we had missed the day before. And it always took us longer than a week to get through one chapter. And that was okay. So I slowed down the pace. The third thing I did was that I spent a whole lesson going over the words. And my kids loved the start of a new chapter because they knew that they weren't going to have any follow-up work to do that day. So we used our 10-minute lesson time to pronounce and discuss each word. So I would have them take turns pronouncing the words and I would give help as needed. And then we would talk about their familiarity with the words. Is it a word that they've seen before or is it something completely new? And while I usually read the definitions and example uh, sentences in the textbook, I also tried to to add as much information as I could from my own experience or a story about the word that would help the word stick better. So whatever information I could give them to make that word stick, to make it memorable, synonyms and stories, anything to help create and reinforce the memory of the word. So the next thing I did was I reviewed the word list each day by asking my kids questions about the words and playing simple games. And I'm sure that if you search online, you can find much more creative games than the ones that I was doing with my kids. But the ones I did took zero prep time and they seemed to do the trick. So maybe um, for my scarlet letter um, teaching, I will do some research and actually find some more sophisticated games. But I can tell you that these very simple ones do the trick, at least in the short term. So let me give you an example of the way I would interact with my kids over the vocabulary words and kind of make a game out of it. So I would say something like, Amelia, that's my daughter, can you tell me which word means the highest point? And so then she would take a second to scan the list, and then she would hopefully reply, Zenith. And I would say, that's correct. And then I would say, Aaron? can you give me an antonym for alert? And then he would scan the list and he would come up with a word, say catatonic. And if he got the right word, I would say, yes, that's that's correct. And if he gave me a word like perceptive, I would say, no, you need to look again. I would also ask them to use a word, a particular word in a sentence. I would say, Amelia, can you use pensive in a sentence? Sometimes after we had worked on a list for several days, I would have my kids compete against each other to see who could be the first to give me the correct word or definition. And that really is about as complex as the review games got. Um, It took about five minutes to review all the words, and that process seemed to really help my kids retain what they were learning. The last thing I did was to assign one exercise each day, which we checked together the next day. So that's not that much different, but the difference was that I was actually checking it with them. The vocabulary curriculum that I was using had four exercises in each chapter, which were supposed to help the students master the words. And so I would assign um, an exercise a day that my kids were required to complete on their own. We would read the directions together. 
so that I was sure that they understood what they were supposed to do. And then they were expected to have the exercise completed for the next meeting. And then we would check the answers together at that time. And I would call on them and they would give me their responses. So it would become very apparent if they hadn't done their work. And it took about five minutes to check the work and assign the next exercise. And we kept repeating the cycle until we finished the chapter. And then I would give them the test. And I'm happy to report that test taking went so much better. Under the new system, the grades improved dramatically. Uh, My daughter usually got a perfect score, but if she didn't get a perfect score, she only missed one or two. And then my son, he doesn't usually get a perfect score, but he gets a solid B, which is so much better than what he had been doing. So one of the best things about this approach is that it should work with any curriculum. So you don't have to go out and buy something new. You could pull out some of those half-finished workbooks and start using them. Obviously, the book should be somewhat age-appropriate. You probably don't want your ninth grader in a third-grade book, but he might be challenged by the words in a seventh-grade book. You know your student, so don't be overly committed to forcing him to work at a particular level. Okay, so everything I talked about today is something that you can implement right away, and it takes very little time to do. However, if you don't schedule it and practice it consistently, it won't do your student much good. One of the easiest ways that I found to make something routine is to pair it with something that you do already. So if you already have um, devotions in the morning, you could put 10 minutes of vocabulary instruction right before that or right after that. Or if you have a consistent time for another subject, such as math, then you could park vocabulary instruction right before that. Pick whatever time works best for you, but then do it consistently so that it will become a habit. And I think you'll be amazed at what a difference just these few dedicated minutes can do. So there's a lot more that can be done with vocabulary instruction if you're interested. This is very, very basic. But a couple books that I have found helpful are um, Bringing Words to Life, Robust Vocabulary Instruction by Isabel Beck, and there are a couple other authors on that, and also a book called Academic Vocabulary in Middle and High School, Effective Practices Across the Disciplines, and that's by Donna Ogle and several other authors. So I will put links to those in the show notes. So I should say that these are not casual books on the topic, but they're fairly rigorous academic books, but they're definitely worth a look if you want to get into the weeds on this subject. So if you are enjoying this podcast, would you consider taking a few minutes to write a positive review? And if you want to learn more about me and what else I have to offer, you can visit my website at homeschoolwritingandthensome.com. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.